Welcome to Accounting High. When going about creating a client avatar, whether that's for the dentist or for you. Think about what excites you, whether you're building a dental practice or you're building an accounting firm. The cheat code here is make it easy for you to want to be the places that your customers are and create a really unique experience because you're going to care about the customer for who they are. And they're going to feel that they're going to see that. And then think about how fun it is for the people you get to hire to work in that business that understand who you're serving, why you're doing it and why you're excited about it. I think it's a win all the way around. That's beautiful. I love that. May I have your attention, please? From cloud accountants, see you way back to desktop accounting advisory and tech apps adopt. Went solo with the rap, Scotty's still the same. Raleigh is the spot where I edutain. Like, share, connect, comment, follow this, and subscribe to our podcast. Next one we drop, cause you know it don't stop. It's 24-7 on the accounting highlight. TikTok clips don't watch, just some shitty tax talk. Cleaning up accounting with a bucket and a mop. Then we lean back and nod because the class is about to start at Accounting High. Scotty, OKR. JJ Latrell and Scotty. We're going to have a problem here. Hey, Scotty. What up? What up? What up? Class is in session. That's a fresh, fresh new intro. I'm digging it. That was awesome. Dope, dope. Well, I'm so glad to have you here today. We have two North Carolinians on the show. That's right. right Yeah, down in Charlotte over here. One over there in Charlotte. Oh, this is awesome. JJ, we just recently met at QuickBooks Connect, fresh off the tales of your main stage session that you had there with a couple of my friends up there. Why don't you tell our audience and our listeners a little bit about that, how you ended up on the main stage right before Ryan Reynolds too. That was dope. It was awesome. It was easier to go on before than had we gone on after because the room would have cleared. So at least we had everybody's attention. (laughs) You had everybody getting ready, getting their good seats for Ryan. That's right. Yeah. And I then bet, they're I bet like, everybody just sat there right after you and then uh, rolled exactly, in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We had people lined up out. I'm like, it's probably for Ryan, but we'll, we'll act like it's for this group of accountants. So yeah. So we had got to have a little fireside chat up there with Jeremy from Intuit and um, got to talk about kind of where the accounting CAS tax kind of space has been and where we think it's going and a lot of different views. We had some uh, folks who came from big firms and small firms and kind of everything in between. It was just a conversation with Intuit where they were saying, hey, we're looking to do this thing. It was a new segment for them. They said, hey, what do you think about getting on stage and, you know, kind of cutting it up with these guys? And I was honored to be a part of the crew. So it was awesome. Well, you brought a really great energy up there. I saw you up there and then we met at a little uh, gathering afterwards. Um, And I'd love to hear the stuff that you're doing. So I really wanted to have you come on the show to talk about that. You're in a big transition phase right now, currently. Why don't you um, enlighten our students into... Let's just start with like, let's go a little further back though. How you got into accounting, like, or in this whole space. Yeah. 
right? You uh, can go as early yeah. as high school or even I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I actually love it when your guests go back to high school. So I, I'm going to take it there because my, my accounting story is kind of cool if you go back that far. So I actually got into accounting because I wanted to be in the FBI. Yeah. Oh, this is new so, too. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, You're the second guest yeah. I've had that was going to be in the FBI or that was looking into that. All right. There you go. That's yeah. it. All right. You got yeah. into accounting because of it too. That's I a did. really interesting connection. I did. So I had gone on a, a senior year field trip up to Washington, D.C., Quantico area um, and doing some research on how to get. I always said I wanted a badge and a gun, how to get into the FBI. Turns out the number one degree that the FBI hires is accounting, because if you want to get somebody for doing something not great, follow the money. So Financial they, fraud. that's Oof. right. So yeah, a lot of those guys go down for things like tax evasion. So found out that that was kind of a, a, a great way to get in. And my naivety thought, okay, great. I'll go into accounting just so I can go to Quantico. And, uh, you know, life changes. You get into accounting, they start talking about public accounting and how cool that is. And Come to find out you got to travel and move a lot for the FBI. And there's, you know, it could be a little dangerous. And accounting seemed a little less dangerous if you didn't do it for the FBI. So I kind of took more of the traditional path after that. But the whole point of getting in was to go into the FBI. So it was like sort of like a gateway, obviously. The it FBI was. was the gateway. But you know yeah. that you still could turn yourself around and end up into the FBI <laughs> later in life, right? Like you become Perhaps. the expert. You yeah. become the expert and they call you in as the financial expert. And then they need you you for other projects too. So keep it in the back of your mind. That's right. You never know. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. 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 So you ended up in the public route and um, I've recently met quite a few people that have cut their teeth at Elliott Davis and you might be another one of those, right? I I met a lot in the Greenville area in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, A lot of them are currently at Intuit, but they started their days at Elliott Davis. Um, That's right. Tell me a little bit about those days or, or how you ended up there. Um, yeah. That's a pretty, fairly big firm, fairly big region. It is. Firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So top 40 firm last time I checked. So I actually started in audit with an international firm and did several years there. And then I was hired by a client into the hospitality space. So I worked for Starwood Hotels and Resorts for six years, did some really cool stuff there, and then went from Starwood into Elliott Davis to support the CAS practice there, which is where I first started working with dentists, which is a little preview into where my life is headed now. So worked with Elliott Davis and there was just, there was a whole group of us at the time that were super kind of entrepreneurial, thinking very different at Elliott Davis. And we kind of all came in around the same time. And those are the folks that that you met at Intuit. And um, yeah, we all kind of cut our teeth together at Elliott Davis and then took those skills out into the world. So from L.A. Davis, I went into an international startup and served as as the uh, CFO over there for a little while and got to be the interim CEO for a minute and then stepped into the new role that I'm in now, which is creating a strategic finance agency for dentists specifically. Okay. And that's how it all leads. Now, I want to go back to to the hospitality and that experience. So when Doing that, what was your role at Starmount? Yeah, sorry, what I was a controller there. Controller, okay. Yeah, so it's still yeah. finance, but involved in the hospitality space. Yeah. And then at Elliott Davis, they got mm-hmm. you involved in working with dentists and they had a segment of the practice. That's right. So the CAS practice uh, at the firm at the time was segmented between dental and everything else. Oh. And um, when I came on board, they were trying to combine the dental with the rest of the group. So I was. Did they make a big acquisition of a dental accounting for practice? No, or? 
I, I don't know how the dental piece started necessarily, um, but at the time when I came on board, it was to bring that group back in house really. So it was kind of a offshoot of what they were doing and kind of very separate from the, the CAS practice as a whole. And so I kind of came in to bring those two groups together uh, and then got to do a ton of really cool leadership stuff there with a lot of really insanely smart people, a lot of whom you you know over at Intuit now. So did some really neat things there, but that was where I got exposed to dentists having their own kind of needs and brand of accounting consulting that, yeah. that they wanted. And so that's where I really kind of cut my teeth there. But I was across uh, all of the industries when I was at the firm. And that obviously did some stuff to you as far as branding awareness and looking at that as a potential future niche to work with. Mm -hmm. So when you left Elliott Davis, did you have the idea that you were going to build your own practice eventually? Because or did you go straight to, I'm going to go industry? Yeah. So I went into industry thinking, knowing that I was going to own my own business, but not realizing it would be in the accounting or CAS space. I knew I wanted to kind of try uh, the leadership piece and I wanted to try the entrepreneurial journey, which now that I've been on it for nine months or so, it's the roller coaster, everyone says. But at the time, I really wanted to, to give that a try. So I thought, you know, we were doing, my husband and I were do, doing due diligence on a general store to buy. We did due diligence on a uh, plumbing company, an interior painting company. So we were just kind of looking to how can we buy one of those retiring boomer businesses and do something uh, for ourselves. And then caught back up with uh, a guy that I had worked with in the dental space over at Elliott Davis. And he was doing some cool things with dentists. And I was interested in what he was doing, but didn't really see myself jumping in. He and I had stayed in touch since Elliott Davis times. And we kind of came back around to, we might could do something different and cool in the space that really wasn't being done before. And that's what we're doing now. Different and cool. Yeah. Well, that's what we love here. <laughs> you mentioned about nine months of incubating this. Typically, that's the same amount of time that a child would incubate inside <laughs> of a human to be births, yeah. birthed, right? And that's right. it's like you have a couple of children, two maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I see do. some pictures there. I got two. So are there some similarities in the experience of growing and building a business to get ready to launch as it is to get ready for your first child? This is your first business, yeah, right? This this is, is. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I hadn't drawn the parallels before, but yes, absolutely. It is more exciting and terrifying and painful and joyful than I ever could have imagined and that anyone can really prepare you for. You think this is another parenthood to entrepreneurship. You think you know what you need to know to do it. And then you actually do it. And you're like, oh, no, forget it. Like I said, my kids would never eat in my car. Like I you could probably find an entire <laughs> You know, entire meal, back entire meal in the back of my car, condiments and everything. So yeah, I, I definitely, there's a lot of parallels to it, but you haven't gotten to the point where your clients are eating in the back of your car yet or not anything yet. like that. Not yet. yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. yeah. But, but there are probably things early on now that you're saying that you'll never do with clients that you may end up doing later absolutely. too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And things, you know, from a business selection standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, and as you learn and as you meet people and as you grow, you pick up on different things you want to do or don't want to do. And similar to parenting, you do the best you can with the information you have at the time, and then you pivot when you need to. We've done that several times in the last nine months, and we'll continue to do that over the course of building this new brand and this new concept. Well, and building something is exciting 
too and get a lot i mean i'm not going to even talk about how scary it can be so mm-hmm. let's get on to some of the exciting things so sure. you have a name picked out are you able yes. to share that yes name? absolutely okay. yes so the new brand name for the company that we'll be launching here in a few weeks the first of the year is tuatera tuatera okay Tuatera. now spell that yeah. for our listeners yes t-u-a-t-a-r-a tuatera and- before we started talking today, I had never heard of this word or this th- thing that yeah. it is. So can you tell the story of this, of what Absolutely. this name means, what this word yeah, means? Of course. So yes, if you were to to Google a Tuatera, uh, you would see a really cool picture of what looks like a miniature dinosaur lizard creature that's off the coast of New Zealand. But And that is where we kind of got our inspiration for our name. But the Tuatera lizard is really cool because it is... On the outside, it looks like a dinosaur. Looks like it hasn't changed in you know thousands, tens of thousands of years. Um, but on the inside, there's an incredible amount of advanced um, evolution that's happened inside of this lizard. And when we think about embracing the changes in the industry and the changes in business and the changes in each of us as entrepreneurs and our clients, uh, our dentists that own their practices are in a constant state of evolution. And so we really liked the idea of kind of being inspired by that. It may not look different on the outside, but on the inside, fundamentally, we need to be evolving and growing and changing as the world around us does. So that was where the inspiration came from for Tuatera. It's like accountants and like dentists and uh, all the like, our industries have been around and established for a while. And while on the outside, we may look a little bit dull and boring and and all that yeah on the inside it's evolved exactly that's right it's expanded that's really cool i like i like that story and i like how you set out to set something up with a story it's not it to a terror even doesn't really on the surface look and feel like anything that has to do with dentists either so Mm -hmm. you've bridged that and you've turned the story into something that they could relate to and they could they could see themselves in. And that's what you want to do when you're building a brand. So I know we kind of started this off with the guided intro, but a lot of this and a lot of what you're doing is falls in line with a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about social studies and branding and building that brand and building something. And that's kind of what you're doing. And you said that your practice is going to be split out into two agencies. Why don't you enlighten our listeners? Because I don't think a lot of accounting firms set out to do that and create that. I know of a few and we've had a few conversations on the show, Mm -hmm. but why don't you um, explain to our students kind of what that means to have two agencies at your firm and who you're focused on? Absolutely. So who we're focusing on is really the foundation of our business. So we really wanted to serve our customer well, and we really thought about building from the ground up what that service can look like. And we do, we've decided to kind of bifurcate how we serve um, into two very distinct options. So for us, that's the Institute and the agency. So the Institute for us is a one-to-many platform. That's where our practices can come in and they can get really strategic advice and they can get comfortable and information around strategic finance concepts without having to hire that traditional CFO kind of outsourced resource that may just be 
too much for their practice at this time. And then we have our agency, which is for those practices that are looking for that one-on-one. They don't want a DIY approach. They're not looking just for information that they can take and implement. They want someone to do it for them. So we've kind of got this DIY concept over in the Institute. And then we have the do it for you Institute or done for you in the agency. So really kind of bifurcating those two to allow for different practices of different sizes, different maturities, different needs to be well served by the sophisticated resources that we have. Yeah. There's another um, company or a firm that has recently been acquired, Catching Clouds. They did the same thing for Mm e-commerce agency industries. And I said two agencies, but you have two divisions essentially. And one of them was their YouTube channel and their DIY approach to people who wanted to, you know, that e-commerce, they didn't want to save some money. Like they didn't have the budget and they weren't big enough to get started working directly one-on-one with the firm. So they created this institution or education platform for them to kind of run with it. And it sounds like that's what you're doing but for dentists Mm -hmm. and that's awesome. So the dentist comes to you, they probably, maybe it's just a one man shop. Maybe they just don't Mm -hmm. want to spend some money and you won't have to waste a ton of time trying to get them to fit into your system. You've got, and this is, this is your venue right here, right? So you, Mm -hmm. you're starting this with a partner Mm -hmm. and you are the Institute and you're building the Institute. Tell me, tell me about building something from scratch, like an Institute. Yeah. Where do you start? (laughs) <laughs> a lot of research on what's working right now. So I believe, I'm a strong believer, success leaves clues. So seeing what's working, I am a consumer in this space. I consume one-to-many content. I've paid for many masterminds, courses, et cetera. So I'm comfortable in that space and, and how value can be offered in that way. And just like you said, our customer needs different things. So really thinking about the customer first, how do, let, let's take, for example, millennial business owners. We probably don't want to get on long scheduled calls. We really are looking for, we like asynchronous. We like being able to throw in our headphones, go out for a run and listen to content and get our education that way. We're, we're just very comfortable in different spaces and ways. So we thought about our customer and how the dentist is evolving and practice owners now are millennials. So the boomers are retiring and we're seeing a lot of millennials entering into the the practice ownership space, but maybe not established enough to be able to afford or to need the resources of a full-fledged outsourced CFO. So really bifurcating that, allowing there to be a place to come into to Atera, kind of regardless of wherever you are in your journey. So we started with the who, um, and then we figured out kind of how do they want to interact with us and we created options for them. So at the Institute, literally thinking through how do people want to consume content? Where do they want to go to consume content? I'm not a huge fan of building on borrowed land. So I don't like the idea of like a like a paid Facebook group. The algorithm, you know, makes me nervous. So I wanted to have a platform and a space for us. So I did a lot of research on what does it look like to have our own space and really be able to serve our clients there. So figuring out what the platform was, figuring out what the format is, literally the amount of time I've spent figuring out how do we want to name our files so that we put them in a folder, it's easy to find what we're looking for because the amount of content and the thought leadership that we have to kind of put together to build an institute is tremendous. So the things you never thought you would need to know, right? I never thought I would be watching YouTube videos on the most ideal way to set up a file system for document retrieval. Um, you never thought you'd know what LMS means. That's right. But what does LMS mean? Oh, no. A learning management system. Oh, learning. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yeah. And I think that's what you're creating, right? Or you're using a platform. Did you find an LMS or did you find a platform are, yes. that you could use? We are in the final stages of selecting our platform. I'm thinking that we're going to use Thinkific. That's been, mm-hmm. it seems to be a really good fit for what we're looking for. We've looked at Podio, Kajabi. And I've heard of Kajabi. Yeah. What's the other one? So we've looked at several of them, uh, Mighty Networks. So we've looked at several of them, but I think Thinkific is going to be a good fit for us. So are these all platforms that you can host like a community or that you can mm-hmm. just host the or education or is it both? Yes, you can do choose your adventure. So you can have community, you can have courses, you can have memberships, you can have kind of click and buy one time access to, to courses that you can turn on and off. So really kind of however you want to set up the platform. Yeah. So the big C's, right? You've got the community, mm-hmm. the courses, the content, the coaching. Yeah. Are you going to be doing all of those? Yes. Okay. And I guess to start like as a foundation, the foundation is the content. Yes. Which then builds on top of that. You've got the courses, the community, and then the coaching, and then that one-on-one consultative, mm-hmm. there's another yeah, C, there's the consultative another C. work leads you into the agency, the yes. consulting. That's the Correct. one-to-one so okay. you start with that big one to many, that funnel. That's your top you're the top of funnel. Top of the funnel. That's for right. your firm. You're that's top right. of funnel. Right. And that's what yeah. you're creating. And you found their watering holes and you found the places that they go to to interact. Maybe it's conferences mm-hmm. and maybe it's social networks. Maybe you do have to get on some of those social like this Facebook and the other platforms 100%. in order to get in there yes. and continue those conversations. But then you add value. This is what I've heard too, as I've been paying attention to this, yeah. is adding value and leading with value for them. Yeah. So give me some examples of things that you've created in these last, in this past nine months yeah. that's going to add value to that dentist office or that millennial dentist owner that you know now is just getting started. Yeah. So one of my favorite things that we really focus on is around brand. So we talk a lot about dental differentiation versus negotiation when you start thinking about how you are going to control your top line of your business. So in dental space, there's a lot of insurance and insurance, unfortunately, can be a detriment to dentists being able to grow. There's a lot of negotiation that has to happen, but sometimes the dentists don't have a lot of negotiating power, in, especially in certain areas, et cetera. So we spend a lot of time on differentiation versus negotiation. You can go in, you can negotiate 1% with an insurance provider, doesn't really move the needle. But if you can differentiate your practice and you can brand your practice and you can communicate that brand to your ideal customer, which a lot of dentists haven't thought about their ideal customer. Everyone has 32 teeth. Mm-hmm. Anyone can be a can be a customer. So helping practices really think through that differentiation, that branding, what does marketing look like if you're not going to use insurance as your primary driver for patient acquisition? What would it look like for a patient to be able to find you for what makes you special as opposed to just because you're on the street corner and they pass by um, or they go to their their insurance website and Google for you. So I really love the brand stuff that we're doing. I love the concept of what, and we really like to serve the way that we have approached our business as well. So we're thinking about our customer first and we're helping dentists do the same thing, which I think is new to the space. There's not a ton of that that's being done currently. And we love the impact that that can have on the practice. Well, it's, it's huge. And I see so many similarities between this and accountants because Mm -hmm. just starting with the brand and starting with the name, let's just start there. 
a lot of dentists are either cute, good name, like that you can get behind. It's a, you know, carry smiles and stuff like that. I I see those all the time. But then you also have the person's last name, JJ Luttrell, uh-huh. you know, blank, blank, <laughs> right. blank, like family dentistry. DDS. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, family yeah. dentistry. And then DDS, you see a yeah. lot of that too. Yeah. And maybe that's the divide in branding. Maybe that's the differentiators that you're going to start seeing in the market is people right. owning their brand because they're and for us, at least for accountants in North Carolina, technically a CPA firm, you're supposed to have your name on it. So right. are you a CPA firm as to a Terra. We are not. Not. No, we are not. No. Yeah. So you can't be. No. No. Mm-mm. No. How about dentists? Do they have any of those similar guidelines or? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are very specific state specific guidelines around who can own a dental practice, et cetera, but they do have some leeway in the naming. So you can have some cool naming conventions. Um, who owns it, how they own it, those structures, very, very specific by state. Um, we're seeing a lot of changes in that space as well, especially with consolidation. So you may be familiar with some of the massive, like Aspen Dental, for example, really, really massive, what's called a DSO, a dental service organization. So you're starting to see some of that, that brand that transcends state lines and that stands for certain things. And so that's why what we're seeing is you know, these massive, massive private equity backed Peace dental companies coming in and they have all this information. They know, I mean, I've worked for Fortune 500, so is my partner. We know, I mean, Starwood Hotels and Resorts, there's, there's now we were acquired by Marriott, but you want to talk about branding, they got it right. And and we did a lot of really cool things inside of that and being able to take the, the strategies from these massive companies and bring that down to your local dentist that's, you know, in a one, two, three main street and helping them get those tools that those brands are using, it's going to be required for them to succeed in the space because similar to accounting, we're seeing a lot of consolidation, seeing a lot of folks kind of coming together. So the, the two industries are, are surprisingly similar in that way, yeah. but being able to bring that, that strategic thinking and resources down to a place where any practice can access it is really what we're all about. Yeah. And that's, well, it, it goes with a lot of licensed agency or industries too. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrists, psychiatrists, psychologists, yeah. it's the same thing. We're seeing a lot of private equity come in, mm-hmm. buy up a lot of these smaller practices to then consolidate. So you're seeing some of that happening. And yeah. you're also seeing a shift in the way that they're being run by a younger millennial generation mm-hmm. too. So huge shifts in any of these older established to a Terra type that's industries. Right. And yeah. that's all these old established licenses Mm -hmm. so like just like the cpa and just like the dds or whatever yeah you know your doctor license for any of these others doctors attorneys i'm sure dealing with similar similar Mm -hmm. things overall attorneys and accountants too yeah absolutely and it's a great industry to pick if you're going to focus in something why not do something that has parallels and similarities to what you're seeing in your own anyway Um, yeah well, and that's been fun for us too to kind of think through, you know, it's one thing, for example, my partner and I just had to go through the process of forming a partnership. We've both consulted on that for years, forming a partnership, and we got it right from a book's perspective, but we didn't think about all of the emotion that goes into this and who, you know, who makes what offers and who concedes where and how does this actually work until we went and did it. And so to be able to use the strategies and things that we're going to be communicating to these practices in our own business 
is major proof that it works. And, and to be able to be so confident, we've done it for practice. We've done it for dental practices, but to be able to have lived it and be able to consult on it is a really cool parallel for us. And that's where dentists and accountants really do cross over quite a bit. Yeah. I always saw that when I first started hearing about the word niche and niching, uh-huh. first thing I heard was dentists with accountants. Yeah. It was like the okay. go-to accountants. Yeah. And this was back in the day. This was like 15 years. I don't know how many, how long ago it was, but it was, you know, we're, these conversations are happening often now mm-hmm. because it's not, you're not looking at a geographic footprint anymore. Everything right. is everywhere so you really have to have a focus. If you're going to be everywhere and anywhere, especially on the socials, you got to have a focus yeah. and you've got to have a creative focused brand. I, I really wish I played the intro for the social studies because everything that I hit on on that intro <laughs> is the, things, the points that you, you've talked about in how you're creating your brand mm-hmm. and the phases and the steps that you're taking to do that. So let's kind of talk about, let, let's pivot a little bit and talk about that partnership because you, you touched on it and I want to d- dive a little bit deeper, the emotional aspects, because that's mm-hmm. another thing that we talk about a lot on the show is partnerships and finding a partner and finding alignment. But just in the beginning, initial phases, most partners are always start out as friends. They always start, mm-hmm. everything's everything's good. Everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. Everything's great until money starts getting involved and until power starts getting involved and until decisions start to get made and then egos get in the way. So mm-hmm. again, you're still very early stages, but yeah. you touched on it. You said the emotional, you don't, you can't ever prepare anybody for the emotional mm-hmm. aspects of this and yeah. of working in a partnership and becoming like everybody finding their place in the business. So how do you guys interact, or at least in the beginning, tell me a little bit more about that as much, as far, as deep as you want to go? Yeah. So my partner, his name is Brandon. He and I are, we have such a different skill set. So I think that's actually helpful. I think a lot of times we are drawn to people who are like us. And I have considered partnerships in the past with people who I was very similar with. And I think that would actually be more challenging because I there are things that I am naturally inclined to want to do and that I'm interested in and that excite me versus Brandon. And so I think having a, a bit of a different skill set, different interests makes the tension a little less. But it's having to think through, you know, you talk about partnerships oftentimes being like marriages. We talked about, you know, entrepreneurship being like parenting, you know, having to literally go through what happens if we want to get divorced? What happens if one of us dies? What happens if this thing goes bigger than we thought it would get, that it was going to be? What happens if this thing completely flops? You know, if you want to move on, if I want to move on, how does this work? If we disagree on something, how do we come to an agreement? Especially because we we have, you know, it's just the two of us. So there's not a tiebreaker. So, you know, how do we how do we work through what that looks like? And at what point do we need a tiebreaker? And how could we have one? And so it's really been interesting to, yeah, to work through all those eventualities of a business. We're not going, neither of us will live forever. You know, at some point we may want to add another partner. We may want to sell the business, et cetera. How do you work through all those things when you're just in this infancy stage and you're in the excitement phase, right? So you're mm-hmm. so excited and this whole thing sounds so fun and we're going to, you know, conquer the world. And now we got to talk about some of these really difficult topics. So, and it all seems like we're, we're everything's going to be fair and everything's going to be good. And then, like you said, it's like, well, all right, what do we do with the first 250 grand that comes in? Where does that go? How are we going to spend it? Well, I want to spend it on marketing. Well, you want to spend it on people. I want to spend it on IT. You want to spend it like 
how how do we go about doing that? And so having to have those conversations and and fortunately ours have gone have gone well, but there's been plenty of sleepless nights and plenty of reordering our thoughts to think about does this serve what we're trying to do? How do we do this together? Maybe this is something I should take or you should take so that we just kind of bifurcate the focus so that we don't each try to make the decisions. Because at first we had a lot of that where, you know, okay, you take this thing and then I would be thinking about it. I go, well, I know that's your thing, but let me tell you what I think we should do there and, and vice versa. So having to really get comfortable with that being, you know, the different lanes that we're each in and trusting the other person that they're not going to swerve so far out of their lane um, that you end up crashing. It's really, it truly is like a relationship and having to respect that we're both different and have different ideas and different strengths and really trying to lean into that instead of grinding against it. It's hard. Oh man. And you touched on trust. Trust is a very big one because of those. You, I mean, like when you're going through a sleepless night, you know, you're usually thinking about all the things that could be going wrong and you don't even know what the other person's thinking too. Yeah. And what's going on in their head. They could be calm as a cucumber. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you need some of that too. And and it's the communication. And if you don't have a lot of communication, especially with a partner, and things go unsaid, that's typically where things start to bifurcate or go in the mm-hmm. different direction too. Yeah. Of when there's less communication. So but identifying that you guys are different, that you complement each other, I think that's initially the first thing that people need to do is identify what their role is Mm -hmm. and what role they're going to be playing for the firm. And this way there isn't resentment too, because there's an overlap. So who is that? Who's the creative, the big, the visionary, if we're going to use EOS terms, who's the visionary of you two and who's the integrator, the ops and the go, you know, the integral (laughs) person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Those terms can be a little bit challenging, but How about this? I will say I definitely bring the bigger, let's go to the moon kind of, you know, space and thought. And Brandon is really good at, okay, then we need this size thrusters to get there. Uh So he's really, really good on the super technical. He can take a concept from, you know, he'll drive by a, a restaurant and think, oh, this the way they did that makes sense over here. And he can bring it in and really implement and put it together. And I'm like, great, we need to tell everyone about it. Let's get 10,000 practices on this thing. So that's kind of where where we both complement each other there. And I'm also like, well, we could probably we could probably get on the moon in like three or four days. And he's like, okay, that's probably like, you know, a hundred billion dollar program. We're probably looking 10 years. And he kind of, you know, yeah. helps put three that reality. Four, not even three or four years, <laughs> 10 right. years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where where one of the things we've joked about a lot that we that is every entrepreneur's problem. We want to do it all and we want to do it right now. So we have all these ideas. We want to do them all right now. And Brandon's really good at bringing reality to the timeline. I would have told you, if you had asked me back in March when we would be launching all this, I would have said, oh, you know, we'll be ready in three months. It's been nine months and it's going to be all we can do to, to, to launch, you know, in, in early 24. So it all, it takes longer than you expect. Oh, it's, I know that all there's, too well. <laughs> there's more steps to it than you think. And having, I think it's really important to have both. I think it's really important to have someone who's like, oh yeah, we can get there three days, no problem. Let's just go. And to have someone that goes, no, you actually have to have a rocket ship to get there. Uh, I think having both leads you to a really strong program in the middle where you're not going to be stuck you know one of the things oh, can't that, we just use somebody else's rocket ship they already yeah. have it built let's just hop, hop on. on their ship hop on yeah. and go. 
right? You know, sometimes Three you days. can. Sometimes you can. But, you know, we, we were at QBC together and Ryan Reynolds talked about how sometimes the problem in industries like accounting can be that we just iterate forever. And we just want to get it perfect and right. And then the minute we're ready to do it, now we got to start over because, you know, the next thing needs to come. So I think you can spend too much time getting it perfect. And then you can also come out flat footed if you go too fast. So I think having that balance is is something that we're very fortunate to have within our partnership. I didn't design it that way, but I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, definitely can't get held back by perfection. And this is this is what I've been struggling with. You know, you said March and you thought maybe three months that's what I thought back in March about getting these next five shows off the ground. Oh, I'll yeah. have that ready by June. Easy. Yeah. No yeah. problem. And here we are, December. Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this episode as we're recording right now, we still don't have those out in the launched yet, but they will be. Yeah. So yeah, but this is like again, it's patience. And it goes mm. back to patience, perseverance perfection all those p words we can keep going down that road we, we started with the c's now we're at the yeah p's. i love it but the patience is something that if you if you have balance and you have somebody else that has that patience maybe they can bring that in on you because i'm not a very patient person it sounds like i would want to go in three days right don't give me any other options here i don't want to see any other options i want to make it in three days let's <laughs> do it yeah so how do you get somebody to talk you down have you run into any situations where You've been impatient about how fast something should happen and it's not. Have you gotten frustrated? Tell me about one yeah, of those situations. Yeah, that's a great question. So I have. Uh, that That's absolutely happened. And I think what what's good is when that happens, it forces me to say, okay, what would it take to get it done? And it it, it makes me as a visionary. So I, again, I'm just like, let's go to the moon. And it forces me to say, okay, what does it actually take to get there? We need astronauts. We need a rocket. We need, okay, has someone already built a rocket? Can we go buy a rocket? Are there people who are already trained astronauts that could come in and do this for us? Like, you know, we, we could go out and we could build a really slick platform to host our one-to-many offering. Or for a relatively inexpensive monthly low price, we can go use a platform that already exists. So it's those, it forces me to find those solutions and to be able to say, okay, we, we can do it in three days, but it's either time or money, right? Let's go pay for someone else's pre-built rocket ship and pre, you know, already trained a- astronauts, or we're going to take the time. We're going to do it ourselves because we will have the better outcome that way. So while you're also been, looking at a compromise, right? It might yeah. not take 10 years to go build it out on your own, but even if you jump on somebody else's platform, it might take three to four months or three to four years yeah, still. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think something else that, so while I've been frustrated with, I want to go really fast and, you know, maybe it's like, hold on, we need to get this a little bit more thought out before we actually launch. I would also argue too, sometimes, and what where I have probably frustrated Brandon is, I'm like, no, we need to get this in the market and we need to validate this. So let's Mm. earn and learn. Let's put this out there. Let's get this information in the hands of the people that we want to support. We are absolutely in service to the practices that we support. So we're not, there's, there's nothing weird or bad or whatever about us putting this information out there. So we can go ahead and do that. Let's get feed, let's get real feedback from the market. Let's test this stuff. Let's go, let's do this over time. So where I would want to launch 16 courses on January 1st. We'll launch four and we'll get some feedback. 
And then a month later, we'll launch another one and get more feedback. And then that way, by the time we launch course 12, 13, 14, it's informed by all the market data we've gotten from yeah. real customers going in, using our stuff, saying, I like this, I don't, this works, this doesn't. And then we will have been able to be informed as opposed to us just going in the laboratory, trying to figure this thing out and hoping that it lands when it goes to market. So we frustrated each other in both ways, but I think we're coming to a really good solid and ground. I, I bet you didn't realize how big of an impact Ryan Reynolds would have on all of this. <laughs> no, I totally expected him to change my life and he lived up to it. He did live <laughs> up to it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, and he, but the way that he articulated that and the way that he said, you know, you've got to iterate and you can't get held back by mm -hmm. trying to make something perfect. I think everybody can relate to that, yeah. especially accountants. We mm -hmm. uh, tend to overanalyze and overwork mm -hmm. our c continuous options with potentially doing anything and everything. And man, I've been struggling with that as of recently. So it's something I needed to hear. Yeah. And it's so cool that to hear others that have been going through it because you are going through it, you're building something and you, you're going to have in the end, you're going to have a brand and you're going to be ready to take on clients. You guys don't have any clients yet, right? So Brandon or, does. Brandon ah, has, okay. yeah, the agency has clients. Yep. So he's got one-to-one -one clients um, that he serves directly. And then the Institute will leverage the programs and things that Brandon has built over the years with his clients. And we'll be bringing those concepts to bear in the market inside the Institute. Yeah. But what yeah. you're going to do is add this incredible like differentiator just to what he's already doing mm -hmm. too. Yeah for him to be able to have the freedom of choice when he's ready for clients to, to take on more and for you guys mm -hmm. to build, you're creating that funnel that's yeah. going to lead to a line of clients right. in that metaphorical, out the metaphorical door. Like mm -hmm. they're going to be waiting to, to get signed on whenever you're ready to take them on too. Yeah. So you're going to be able to dictate that. All the problems that a lot of firms have run into now, and it probably has to do the same thing with dentists is too general. You have too many clients, all from different areas. None of them are the same. So it's hard to service all of them. And it's hard to give them really good service too, because you're marred by mm -hmm. constant, constant barrage of questions and this and that, and everybody's asking something different. So what you're doing is you're, you're going out about it the right way in the beginning. It's just so hard for people that have established practices to do that. That is, and I think that's so true. I think it's really hard to put down good for great. It's really hard to say we're serving these 15 industries and that's what our business is made up of. And we've got to figure out how to do all 15 well. We are very fortunate that we're starting from a place of we can identify our, our ideal client. But I would say for firms having, I led a firm with the CAS practice at LA Davis where we did have a multitude of clients that we served and a bunch of industries that we served. But to the extent you can bifurcate inside your practice, give people a cup. We used to have, I used to call it majors and minors. All my team would have a major industry and a minor industry and kind of get them in a space where they're at least seeing the same things kind of over and over again and getting things kind of closer together. So hospitality and healthcare have a ton in common, heads and beds. So let people do those things together. Whereas manufacturing and hospitality are very far apart, which is funny, I've done both, but those are very, very far apart. Those are different skill sets. You're dealing with different types of clients in those scenarios. So help your team by getting a little bit more 
focused, even inside these practices that may serve 10, 12, 15 different types of clients, even by size, you know, a $5 million business has different problems than a $50 million business. So kind of bifurcating in any number of ways, whether it's geography, whether it's industry, whether it's size, whether it's life cycle, you know, a, a startup company versus someone who's looking to exit. Yeah, um, so many different types of verticals you can get into. Exactly. But bifurcating in any one of those ways, there's not one right way, I think allows you to serve your client better. It allows you to to create your client avatar better, which allows you to create really cool, unique, different ways. Because you may have heard me say on stage at, at QuickBooks, I don't think the Calvary is coming. I don't think there's some big onslaught of accounting resources and finance resources that are coming over the hill to save us. We've got to, as an industry, I want to be able to create solutions that can serve these businesses. And, and I think what we're doing is a unique way to do that. And I think as you think about your customer more specifically, you'll be able to come up with those solutions. Where does your customer want to be? How do they want to be hanging out with you? You hear about like client portals, right? Do people love them? Do they hate them? Figure out what your clients like, figure out how that works in your business and try to create solutions for that. I think is going to be the key for our industry to be able to come to the rescue. Cause like I said, I don't think the cavalry is coming. Well, there, and there never is one right way to no. do anything. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be doing it on their own for dentists. What advice do you give them if they've been generalists or they've t- ten, like, you know, everybody's got 28 teeth or 32. Yeah. Teeth? 32. Yeah. 32. I don't yeah. Know. That was 28. <laughs> After you get your wisdoms taken out, right? Then there you go. That's right. right. We're done. Yeah. I'm down to 28. Yeah. So when, two things. One, we like to look at how do how does your practice fit into your actual life goals? So if your goal is to take a six-week sabbatical every summer and go fishing in the Caribbean, but you're the only doctor in your practice, well, your practice doesn't serve your life goals. You probably need to get a partner so that you can take six weeks off and you don't have to close your doors. Or you need to adjust your lifestyle to What's that going to look like for how do you keep staff on if you're going to be closed for six weeks? That's an extreme example. But looking at what your lifestyle is and what you want your practice to look like and building a practice that supports lifestyle. If you have a practice that has a ton of they're serving everybody with teeth and, and it's a you're having a wildly different experience based on who the customer is, that's confusing to your team. It's confusing to you know your patients. It's confusing to you as a doctor. Looking at who, if you look at those lifestyle goals, what type of patient serves that? Think about, are you willing to make big changes like changing your location? Are you willing to make changes like changing up who you have on your team? If that's not the case, then you got to really think about what brand model are you running currently and getting patients that fit that model. If you're willing to make those changes, are you willing to say goodbye to the patients who are not going to come with you? If you're in the grocery store uh, parking lot you know, in, in a small rural town and you want to move to a big fancy building in a big city... You're not going to bring your patients with you. You're going to lose that. Are you willing to start over? So making those decisions on what you want your life to look like, who you have in your practice currently, and can those two things be reconciled? And if so, starting to get comfortable with, there's going to have to be some churn. You're going to have to say goodbye to some of the patients who are not the ideal customer for you to make room to bring in the patients that are. And there's a lot of trust that has to go in with that of, can you really bring in new customers? Will patients actually be interested in what you have to offer? And it's really hard sometimes to make that decision of going out of network with a certain insurance provider or making a decision about maybe you have staff. If you're trying to you know, have a Nordstrom level experience and you've got staff that 
are more of a, a Walmart type brand, those two things don't go together. So how are you willing to make changes in your practice? And some people are and some people aren't. But to the extent that you want to make those changes, identifying what you have currently and how you can make a roadmap to get there. And you can decide to get on the road or not. You don't have to get on the road. But if you can at least see what that path forward is, uh, then you can make decisions as a business owner and be empowered as opposed to just being a victim of your circumstance of what you've kind of created by not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have seen some very, very interesting dental practices that focus on kids. Very like they go all out with yeah. some of their offices, the arcades in there, the waiting rooms, the decorations. It's, it's incredible. Right. Um, so when you do, when you can focus, obviously you will have the money and you will have the time to be mm -hmm. able to spend on that. And I know we got to wrap up here in a minute. So let's just do one takeaway here. I think the overall, the title of this is going to be creating client avatars or something along those lines. Sure. You've, you've had a lot of good one-liners here. <laughs> so when going about creating a client avatar, whether that's for the dentist or for you, what's the, like, that focus, what you said early on in that is talk about your center and what your interests are. And if you could maybe find something that aligns with that for your ideal client base too. Mm -hmm. Like if you're interested in teeth, then obviously that's the right way to go. Or if yeah. you've had a past experience. So, mm -hmm. you know, for you, you had that experience where you worked with dentists and that's what led to finding that niche. What can somebody look for and look to do? Let's say now let's go pivot to an accounting firm. Give me an example of what they can do or where, where they can go to kind of find that calling maybe yeah if they so, have no idea right well and you know i can't say as a child i dreamed of being a dental consultant right um it, it wasn't on my radar but i think and i love you know you talk a lot about authenticity and being authentic in who we are in our brands and who we are as service providers think about what excites you whether you're building a dental practice or you're building an accounting firm Widgets and gidgets never really interested me, but travel was always my passion. So getting to work for one of the coolest hotel brands in the world, even though I was doing accounting there, it aligned with me. It was it was very aligned and I was able to do a lot of really cool stuff there and be super engaged in what I was doing. Well, guess what? When you're engaged in what you're doing, you do a better job. So think about what what do you want to be talking about? If you just, if you're just trying to follow, you know, the, the PE stream of, you know, whoever, wherever they're going next and follow the money and you're just going to go hop around to those industries, it's going to be really hard for you to get excited about that. But if you love travel, great. What kind of travel industry things, where can you focus? I really love this small entrepreneurial space. I love this concept around healthcare and hospitality. I think dental practices have an opportunity to be really cool brands you know, we could go on for days about what differentiation could look like there. Um, so I think there's a lot of really neat spaces for uh, for dentists to do that. And I think as an accounting firm owner, don't just go where you think the opportunity is. Go where you get excited thinking about those people and serving that customer because it's going to be a lot more fun. You got to go hang out where these people are. If you don't particularly, you know, vibe with these people or you're not terribly interested in hanging out or talking to them about what they're doing, it's going to be hard for you to show up for that. So the cheat code here is make it easy for you to want to be the places that your customers are. So if you love surfing, go surf surfers. If you love, you know, I've got a girlfriend that owns a dry bar. 
go hang out and serve people who are in the the cosmetology industry. Like go to the places where you want to be. And I think you'll find it a lot easier to be authentic to who you are and create a really unique experience because you're going to care about the customer for who they are. And they're going to feel that they're going to see that your service offerings are going to be better for it. Their experience is going to be better for it. And I think that's going to create a highly valuable firm to run. It's going to be fun for you as the owner. And then think about how fun it is for the people you get to hire to work in that business that understand who you're serving, why you're doing it and why you're excited about it. I think it, it's a win all, all the way around. That's beautiful. I love that. And that's it where your passions intersect with your purpose. And yeah. if you could find that and you can find that in interesting cross section, because everybody's, it's going to be different, mm-hmm. you know, and it may seem obvious may seem like it's cheating it may feel like it's (laughs) not fair like why why is this so easy now when i've been struggling for it for years and Mm -hmm. it's it is it can be that easy but you gotta have have your eyes open to that and be intentional about it yeah yeah that's great it's great advice i'm gonna end us with if we have time i'm gonna end us with this intro to social studies too because we touched on a lot of these topics and this is a good kind of summary so Different Dr. Dre track, still Dr. Dre. Love and, uh, it. JJ, thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time. I just got to thank you for coming on because this has been great. Such valuable information here. Um, I wish you the best of luck in everything you're doing. This is going to be dope. Thanks, guys. We're going to have you come it. on like next year, junior year, and we'll see, we'll see where it's gone, how yeah. the kids are growing up. I love it. Yes, let's do it. Grow, 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 grow. Grow, grow marketing, it's Thursday. We gon' advertise and chat on Thursday. At Accounting High and Branding Talk is Thursday. And we gon' help you social post so you're in first place. It's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love. If you into social studies, it's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing, or X. So come join a social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, Follow love if you into social studies. Welcome back, Accounting High. Now it's time for social studies. We'll teach you new creative ways to market old products. Move beyond basics with graph and stats. Some studs you love. Position like Laura Lynn and you learn it's not all luck. Oh, wait, now it all changed. SEO down, IG up. I see X meta, TikTok, hey, LinkedIn, Roman V up. If you watch how they post, you'll see it's all authentic and genuine. Grow a following and don't get held back by perfection. Be intentional online, create content. Now that's hot. Strategy is key with social media and pods. Start Slow, pick up platforms, stick to it and go post. Make a plan to engage with client watering holes. Create a focused brand, be a lead online. It's a digital world with the best ROI. Now create your own ideal client persona. Let's go. Keyword accounting high and get ready to blow. It's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing or X. So come join our social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love if you're into social studies. It's time for social studies, accounting content hub, LinkedIn marketing or X. So come Join our social club. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Shit, now I can't keep up. So comment, follow, love if you're into social studies. Follow this show, stay in the know. Thought lead online through networking. Like, share, repost, subscribe, YouTube, comment, engage, create, find your way. Class dismissed. Peace out. <laughs>